joined by Jimmy Johnson, your seven-time NASCAR champion and the recent Texas winner. Uh, total coincidence, by the way, that worked out pretty well, that Jimmy Johnson, uh, we did the interview two days before he won. It's the second time this year that I've done a podcast interview and then the person has won. Um, the same thing happened with Ryan Newman with the 12 questions earlier this season. So, hey, it, it, looks, it looks like I planned it out that way, but uh, it just was great timing. I want to say something before we start the social spotlight interview, and that's that I'm just really thankful that I've gotten some yeses from PR people like Jimmy Johnson's PR person, Amy Walsh. You know, going into this year, when I left USA Today, I honestly thought, oh, crap. You know, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get the caliber of interviews that I could get at USA Today. The reach is just different. People are not going to be as interested to talk to jeffcluck.com and have their interview on there as opposed to being in USA Today. And I may have, you know, some real difficulty getting some of these interviews this year. And I thought that that could be a real challenge for me. But so far, you know, we've had people on the on the podcast like Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Kyle Busch. I mean, it's it's been some really big names and that's that's really exciting for me. Hopefully we can keep that up in the future. But uh, I did want to ask Jimmy Johnson about his social media use today because he has become quite prolific on several platforms. He's quite good at it. And I want to get his thoughts on what he likes the best, why it's important for him to be on there, and how he deals with the haters. All right. So we are here with Jimmy Johnson on the social spotlight. And Jimmy, um, you are quite proficient, I feel like, in a number of social platforms. So I'm kind of curious to start off. What is your favorite one to use? Uh, favorite? I mean, I'd, I'm torn. Uh, I would I would head towards Instagram, though. I mean, I'm a huge fan of photography and imagery. And, uh, you know, when it first started off, it was kind of a uh, not-so-popular space and uh great you know creativity um it certainly has morphed into more mass and i've seen enough pictures of everyone's dinners and, and stuff like that to drive me crazy but instagram is uh, is probably the, probably my favorite but f closely followed up by strava um you know I, I enjoy my physical activities and it's amazing how knowing you're going to post to that uh, app and site how it will uh motivate you to, to run faster, pedal harder, ride longer. Um, you know, you, you think of interesting um, names for your, your rides, uh, looking for a photo. It's, uh, it's a very, uh, very fun uh, way for me to, to use, you know, stay motivated and stay connected to other athletes around the country. Yeah. So that was actually one of my questions that I had for you is that I was wondering if you considered Strava a social media network, because I feel like it is, but it's not one that people mention off the top of their heads. It's for those who don't know, it's you, it's sort of a workout tracker, but everybody's seeing it. They can comment on it. Um, so you are sharing in the same way that you're sharing anything else you do. Yeah, you you really do. Um, the numbers are much smaller on that uh, that platform, um, but 
you know, from uh, meeting other athletes and, and setting up rides or, or training sessions with others around the country is really cool. And then if you go on your laptop, you can designate any stretch of road, a segment, and name it yourself if you want. Um, so as you ride or run and, and cross through these areas, your device um, takes the time to rank you and tell you how fast you were this year. Um, all time. Uh, if you come through the segment again, it starts to rank you against yourself. So it, it, the way my mind works and living by the stopwatch with everything that I do in my life, it's really nice to kind of see the progression um, of, of your rides, of your, your fitness. And then if you're in a big group on the bike and you guys you know, are drafting and being smart, you can, you can post and put up a, a big number or something, which is fun. You know what is amazing about it is it's probably the most uh, productive, positive social media network because there's nobody trolling on there. Everybody's like, you know, they're giving encouragement to others. And at the same time, it's motivating you to do better because there's such a peer pressure factor. You're like, oh, gosh, I mean, I don't use it enough to really have this effect. But even when I'm out there, I'm like, oh, man, it's a, this is a slow mile time or a slow ride and people are going to look at my time. I got to go faster. You know what I mean? I, I totally know that aspect, and, and it's highly motivating um, from that standpoint. But you bring up such a great point out of all the social platforms. I don't think I've seen a negative comment or any trolling. Um, it's all positive. Um, you know, when you, when you like somebody's ride, you give them a little thumbs up. Um, the comments are all very constructive and positive. So you're, you're right. I haven't thought of it being probably the only positive social space out there. <laughs> So let's go back to Instagram for a minute because you, it's clear you have a love for photography. Um, some of the photos on there are, do you have like photographers that work for you and you pick like the best of the weekend or are they all of your photos or how does that work? How do you decide what to put on your feed? Yeah, it kind of changes from week to week. Um, there are a lot of photos provided to the race teams over the course of a weekend that I have access to and, and kind of pick some cool shots just to use. Um, of course, I take my own photos, do some different story stuff. Um, but you know, over the years, we have brought, I have brought in professional photographers in Homestead last year, brought in uh, Liz Kreutz to shoot and document um, the weekend. And, and largely because I love photography so much, someday I want a big book full of all the images that I can relive. And she came and shot that and took, I think, like 10,000 pictures. And then we took a few and used them on our social channels just to kind of share the experience with others and, and let people see, um, you know, a race weekend through a different viewpoint. Um, and then this year, I'm, I'm kicking off a program and I've started a program in Daytona um, where I'm going to bring in four different professional photographers and then have those four professional photographers pick four amateurs to come and shoot. Um, so we'll have at least eight opportunities. Um, and, and for me, just to honestly collect just imagery. And then we'll use it through our social platforms. Um, Lyle Awerko was our uh, photographer in Daytona. And then uh, the famous Danny Clinch um, has done all the Rolling Stone shoots for years and years. He's going to come and shoot Indianapolis for us. So um, it's fun, again, to see what they shoot and how they bring in their style and um you know so we'll share all that stuff through the social but then someday down the road for myself or if we decide to do a book or an exhibition um, i'm going to have a ton of photos over the next you know four or five years just collecting all this stuff now how do you decide how much to share with the public because like when these photographers come it seems like they have all access essentially um is there anything you're like hey uh but not this part you know what i mean yeah i mean i, I work hard to get them into anything and everything and I also firmly believe that they are the photographer they are 
Um, and, and I don't want to mess with that style. I don't want to push them into a corner and only post this, only show this. I try to turn them loose. And with Lyle Awerko, he did a lot of uh, time-lapsing, and, and we post that on the social channels, which I didn't even know time-lapse was on my phone and how to use it or that it would be cool, and, and he did that pretty frequently. Um, as things are developing with Danny, his style is much more creating a scene and a set to take a picture. Obviously, that's going to be pretty tough to do on a race weekend with how quick we're moving, but I want to give him that opportunity to, to put a couple sets together and, and grab his traditional shot. So um, I really let the style of the photographer kind of steer where we go. So um, this next part, I think, will be somewhat brief because your usage is of this platform, I think, is brief. But Snapchat, I follow you on Snapchat, and every once in a while, a stray sort of snap will come up. It'll be like one snap. And then it'll go a few days and there's no more snaps. Do you, do you think to yourself, okay, you know what? I'm going to snap today and you have good intentions. Then you just go focus on the other platform sort of. For sure. What's tough for me with snap is, uh, you know, I, I, my phone comes out often. I take pictures in, in the platforms where I can go back at the end of the day or when I have a free moment to, uh, to think of the caption, work on the photo and edit it. That just works better for me, especially chasing two little ones around and how busy my life is. So it's it's hard for me to think, um, oh yeah, Snap, that's its own photo, you know, go from there. Um, so that's really, and I, I, I dig Snap, I think it's fun. Um, it's, it's just not in my, my way of thought, my you know first line of thought. So you have uh, somewhat of a social team, I believe, or, or people that help you with your social media. Um, I, I don't know if it's through like your personal stuff or a combination with Lowe's, but why is it important for you to have people, you know, that help you? What, like, what, what do the partners say to you about social media that makes it imp that important space for you? Well, for me in, in my office, we've been looking for something that we could own, um, especially as I developed, you know, the, to be a multi-time champion, um, you know, I was just looking for a, a space to really dominate and, and make a presence in. And as social media was coming along, we were knocking off our championships. And we could see that everything is switching to digital. Um, even websites and what websites provide and the information they provide, just, just everything was changing. So I've, I hired a firm in New York to work with me and help get my social stuff going. Quickly realized that we didn't need a firm and it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't. It was helpful, but it just wasn't me. Um, and then through relationships in New York, I was able to uh, to really focus in and lay out a, a a plan on what we wanted to do. And we did a deep dive into our sport and what our consumers, um, the platforms they use, and what was important then. And uh, back way back, this is probably eight, ten years ago now. Um, there was only of a NASCAR fan. There was only like fifteen percent of the fans had a smartphone. So it led us in a direction to honestly bolster our website. So we really doubled down on our website, um, won best website in sports, like all of sports, which was a huge, huge honor for us. Um, very creative, very cool, the way the interaction worked between our social channels. And then I, I just knew as well that um, as the requests were coming in from sponsors and they saw our investment in digital and everything was shifting to digital, um, we needed somebody to manage that stuff and to really work with the sponsors and make sure things were authentic on my side and then also help serve, you know, the greater good of racing. And uh, we hired somebody from uh, from Sprint, Lauren Murray, now Lauren Edwards. She came in and, and worked on our program for a lot of years. 
And she's done so well, she's now started her own firm and uh, has been married recently to John Edwards, who's been Jeff Gordon's longtime PR man. And uh, I'm her first client at her new place and trying to help her build uh, build up her kind of social team and her clients. She's, she's done an amazing job for us. And uh, I know that she can, can help some other drivers here in the garage area and other people outside of. That's really, really cool. Um, let's talk about Twitter, the big one that everybody seems to be focused on in this garage at times. How often are you on Twitter looking at your feed? Do you like, do you visit it daily? Um, I do visit it daily, multiple times a day. For me, I, I use it for my news feed. Um, I'm always on the run and the magazines I follow, the news outlets I follow. Of course, you know, there's the, the work side and our industry and media and stuff like that. But um, I, I really find that's how I consume the, the world news today. So uh, I don't go on to my mentions as often. I mean, sometimes you want to see it, sometimes you don't. Uh, if I post something, it's nice to see what people think or what the reaction is. But from uh, a consumption standpoint, I, I do spend a fair amount of time uh, just looking through the feed and, and taking in news. I feel like you're one of the notable people who's not afraid to go back at somebody if they're a hater and they, they say something to you. You're not afraid to retweet them and you know, poke a little fun back at them. How is your, you know, do you ever block people? Do you ignore people or do you respond? Like what's your general approach to those kind of trolls, I guess? I haven't blocked a single person yet on, yeah. on any platform. Um, believe me, I've wanted to. And when uh, the digital stuff first started back when, you know, there were blogs on nascar.com i went through and, and read the jimmy johnson blog and i couldn't believe the things people were saying about myself and i was dating my wife then what they're saying about her so I, that's why i had a quick departure and was pretty late to the twitter game to start with so i'm like i don't need that in my life but then then i realized the importance of it and that you know you just need to kind of breeze by certain things and, and move on but poking fun back at these guys is is i think critical um, you know, people sitting in their underwear in their mom's basement get very brave and, and want to say things. And it's funny, as soon as you draw some attention to them and let some hating happen on their feed, they're quickly apologizing. They delete the tweet and they, you know, hopefully don't do it to anyone else again. It is interesting how sometimes when you go back at somebody, they'll, they'll come back and they'll say, oh, actually, Jimmy, I'm a big fan. You know, respect your, you know what I mean? You're like, what? Totally. I've had that. I've had the tweet deleted. Had people um, tell me how rude I was to to bring this upon them and get everybody else hating on them. I'm like, oh no, you started this whole thing. Be a little smarter before you hit send. Uh, do you ever almost tweet and then decide mm, maybe I just shouldn't do that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think we've all had had one ready to send out in put put down the phone come back a couple minutes later and you're like I, I probably shouldn't so yeah I've, I've been there quite a few times where do you see social media going next i mean there's a lot of people doing live video i mean it seems like every there's a now there's like a facebook story instagram story snapchat you could do periscoping like what where do you see this evolving for you that's a great question i mean it seems like the unique experience on each platform is kind of gone and now all the big platforms are like okay that's kind of cool over there i'm going to bring that into mine and it's uh you know having a presence i think on all and trying for me it's hard but trying to keep some kind of consistent um you know schedule of posts going or, or staying consistent posting on all those sites is important because there are people that just use certain platforms for you know it fits their lifestyle better um but what's interesting to me is you know looking at 
our sport and looking at sports in general. I read an article yesterday in the Wall Street Journal on there where uh, <clears throat> the NFL, where Google has uh, purchased uh, the right to stream the Thursday night football games. And on the surface, it looks like just a standard play, but long term, um, if you're Google, or I'm sorry, Amazon, if you're an Amazon Prime member, they'll know your shopping habits and your buying habits and they can send strategic marketing to you while you're watching on their, on, on their platform. So, you know, understanding how that stuff works and how it might work in our industry, um, nobody's watching TV. It doesn't matter if it's sports or what. I mean, the numbers are just going down. So TV ad buys um, have supported our, you know, our lives, my life in racing. And we're trying to convince sponsors every day that, hey, it's all moving digital. Here's our numbers. Here's our presence. So tr just trying to understand that, which I don't think anybody does. Um, it's been very good for me on a social standpoint and, and being able to let others see my personal side and what I'm about and what my interests are because I don't give the best interviews at the track, <laughs> more focused on my job. But from a, a business standpoint, you know, they're, they're, it's a big business. And, um, you know, I think we need to be wise in our industry to, to jump on that and help our sponsors understand that. Very interesting. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that. I really learned a lot from Jimmy. It's clear that he really puts a lot of thought and effort into his social media use. And, and I think that comes through. I want to give some shout outs on the podcast. These are patrons of mine who give $10 or more a month on my Patreon page. And they help me get to the track because that's how I travel this year. Uh, my travel expenses come through uh, crowdfunding with Patreon. So um, I appreciate those who helped me get there. This week, that includes Stan Cromlish, Margaret Connolly, Stacy Wright, and Steve Luvender. By the way, I did not know that it was pronounced Luvender, and I had to text him. You, you guys know who Steve Luvender is. He's very funny on Twitter. He does some stuff for NASCAR.com. He also does some stuff um, on his own website where he comes up with very funny and creative games, such as like the all-star format generator and things like that. I, for some reason, always thought it was Lavender, and I've even been out to like lunch and dinner with him, and I never thought that his name was Luvender, so I texted him to make sure, because I'd heard like Landon Castle and NASCAR Chasm pronounce it in different ways, and I'm like, wait, is it not right? So he told me, it is Steve Luvender, spread the word, that's your PSA. So there you go. Um, no post-race podcast this week, because there's no race. But hopefully we can try to figure out something else before next week's 12 questions, which will be with Daniel Suarez. And then the social spotlight next week is with Mike Joy from Fox Sports. That was fun to talk to him about his Twitter usage. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you wouldn't mind leaving a rating, if you do enjoy them, maybe if you don't enjoy them, don't leave the rating. That, that might not help me as much, but if you wouldn't mind leaving a comment and a rating, that would help. And I really have enjoyed this first part of the season. Talk to you soon on the Untitled Jeff Buck Podcast.